independent media is more important than ever. We don't have a corporate network behind us, and we also don't have big green foundation grants. So we really do need you, and we are actively calling in your direct support so that we can continue exploring many of these topics and perspectives, often sidelined by mainstream media. If you're enjoying our show, please make sure you're subscribed and join us on Patreon today, starting at a tip of just $3 at patreon.com slash green dreamer. Every little bit helps and really adds up. And that is the power in community. So thank you so much for however you're able to support our work. As soon as a human has a certain amount, they're looking for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. It will never be enough unless you are enough as you are right now. Why should durability be a key factor that we take into account when we try to shop more sustainably when we need to buy things? How are advertisements set up to potentially manipulate our thinking? And how can we address that ourselves to protect our mental health? That's just the tip of the iceberg of what you'll hear today. To receive weekly highlights from the podcast that can hopefully provide you with another dose of inspiration, you can subscribe for free at greendreamer.com. With that, to thank you for being here, you'll also automatically be entered to win our monthly giveaways. And for now, to our episode. Let's dive in. Hey, it's Kamea Shane, and this is Green Dreamer, a podcast for creatives, visionaries, and entrepreneurs dreaming of a sustainable future. Thank you for bringing your light. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe, and together, let's learn what it takes to thrive in every sense of the word. Our guest today is the founder of Buy Me Once, a website which finds the most sustainable and longest lasting products on the planet. It unexpectedly went viral in 2016, and I'm super excited for you to hear how this all happened. Before starting Buy Me Once, she actually spent quite some time working in advertising, persuading people to buy things that they may not want or need, which she wasn't so happy about. But with this insider expertise, she now uses these insights to help others others not be manipulated by advertisements so that we can be more mindful about what we actually want and need. Green Dreamer, starting with what inspired her passion for the environment, here's Tara Button. What first inspired me? I think I remember finding out that animals were in danger at quite a young age. Um, I remember me and my best friend um, when we were about seven, we we started a group called Save All the Animals, and it mainly involved kind of meeting in the library every lunch break and drawing animals <laughs> and discussing about how we would save them. And at about this age, I made a projector out of a cardboard box and my dad's torch, and the idea was to project Save the Earth onto the moon. So I had quite high um, ecological ambitions from a really young age. Wow. <laughs> and then, I mean, I know it's been a long journey since you started Buy Me Once, but uh, Buy Me Once is all about just really reducing our wants and to focus on our needs and to buy products that are very durable as opposed to single use. So what's your story behind this? So what got you to focus on this idea that we're buying too much and we need to go back to buying durable goods that last? 
Sure. Well, I was doing the opposite of that. Um, after trying to save the earth as a child, I kind of did the opposite for a while and <laughs> I worked in advertising for 10 years and I was basically trying to persuade people to buy more stuff that they didn't need. And I was increasingly feeling awful about it. I, you know, I got into advertising for the creativity, but you know, after a while you're being asked to increase the chocolate consumption of children. You're like, what? <laughs> How has this happened? How is this my life? But one of my clients was Le Creuset. And I don't know if you've heard of them, but they make these amazing, long-lasting um, like casserole dishes, essentially. And they last a lifetime. They've got a lifetime guarantee. They're the type of thing you pass down to your grandchildren. Mm. And I was given one of these pots. And it got me thinking that I wanted everything in my life to be like this, something that you know was worthy of being taken care of and cherished it kind of just created a kind of spiral of thought processes that were like, well, if everything I owned was like this, and if everyone bought in this way, then surely consumption would come right down. And surely that would have a massive impact on the environment. And the more I thought about it, I was like, well, this is a no brainer. Um, and I went looking for a website that only sold long lasting things. And I didn't find one. And I was like, well, this should exist. And I kind of fought this idea for about two years. I kind of ignored it because I was like, well, I have a full time job, my full time evil job to do. So, you know, I'm sure someone else will do this because it's such a no brainer. And I just thought it was going to be one of those ideas that, you know, you had one time and then someone else would do it and I would be able to kind of point and go, yeah, I came up with that idea ages <laughs> ago. <laughs> but uh, it turned out that no one else did do it. And so I was starting to get this kind of almost stomach kick feeling whenever I read about the environment because I was like, you know, I have an idea that could actually have a massive impact. Because when I started doing research, I realized that, you know, for the vast majority of products, the environmental impact comes in its production and its distribution to the shops and then sending it to you. Mm. So all of that is kind of um, the damage that's done to the environment is, is already done. So if you can um, reduce how many times that happens by buying a longer lasting version and have that only happen, you know, every 20 years rather than every year, then that is an incredibly massive saving. And so when I realized this, I, I kind of realized that I had to make it happen. Um, and I didn't really know how to make it into a business at that point. I was like, I just need this to exist. So <laughs> I started in my spare time to um, research and to collect long lasting products and put them all together on a website. And I started finding the most amazing brands like socks with a lifetime guarantee and a pen that writes forever, an umbrella that like the wind can't destroy and that tells you if you leave it on a bus, you know, wow. it's, um, you know, all these incredible people who have actually tried to solve the problem of durability. And I started finding them. And then the site went crazy viral in 2016. Like I think it was about 600,000 people came in, wow. to, came to the site in a couple of weeks. And Ashton Kutcher like declared his love for the site. And <laughs> um, I was asked to write a book, which I then did. And um, you know, I was asked to go on 
um, MSNBC and it was it was kind of a, a wild time. So I I quit my job pretty much straight away. Um, I was I was supposed to be writing Tic Tac ads and I was like, uh-huh. hell no, <laughs> this, this can't be happening. I, I need to kind of follow this passion through to um, and see what happens. Otherwise, I'll always regret it. So I walked into my boss's office and I was like, I need to leave like today, today, <laughs> I need to leave today. And he's like, I agree with you. <laughs> he let me go, which was amazing. He didn't even make me uh, stay out my uh, notice period, which was very cool. Very nice of him. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So you mentioned you look for the longest lasting products on the planet. So how how do you determine this? So when you're selecting products for Buy Me Once, what do you look for to determine that it'll be durable? Yeah. So it's all about comparing and contrasting brands to each other. So we find the best in each product category. Um, so there's no kind of like everything has to have a lifetime guarantee or anything like that because, you know, you might have a T-shirt and, you know, that's a lot harder to give a lifetime guarantee than, say, a saucepan that, you know, you can give a lifetime guarantee to. Um, so it's all about looking at the brand, seeing what's out there, and then we've come up with criteria to um, assess which brands we think are the best. Uh, so it's we look at both sustainability and durability because you know if something is massively toxic, then it doesn't really matter if it lasts you know a million mm-hmm. years. It's still really bad for the environment. So we look into both. Um, so we look into the materials. Is it the best material for the job? Um, you know, and that can be whether it's the best stainless steel or the best wood or you know the best fabric um, for the job. Whether that's from a sustainability point of view or it's um, from a quality point of view so we can make a judgment on that mm-hmm. we look into the way it's made in in that you know is it more fixable in the version that it's being made in or is it more durable is it more sturdy is there something in its design that means that will it will last longer um, we look into the reviews. So we don't just look at what the company says about itself, but also whether the people uh, who use the products are actually saying, yes, this has lasted me a really long time. Or yes, it does say what it, what it's, you know, it does do what it says it's going to do. We look into the ethics. So obviously we're, um, you know, keen that anything we put up on our site is not, you know, made with unfair labor practices. That's important to us. And then we also look into the aftercare, which is massively important to us. We think that companies should really back up their products with great aftercare. People are much more likely to fix their um, clothes if if companies offer free fixing or some sort of aftercare support. You know, if these companies are making great products, which they all claim they are, then they should be willing to back that up. What's like an example of something that's environmentally friendly, but not necessarily durable that you've said no to before? Um, Environmentally friendly, but not necessarily durable. So I guess maybe a biodegradable plate or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, some people might get eco-friendly tableware, um, maybe picnicware, like um, instead of plastic plates they might have biodegradable bamboo plates and that 
kind of thing. And that's a cool product. And we acknowledge that it's a more eco-friendly thing um, than a plastic plate. But it's not for us, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. It's, you know, we would have a plate that you could drop and it wouldn't shatter. That's awesome, though. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, um, you know, you can use again and again and again and never needs to be made. Uh, for sure and doesn't need to end up in the trash. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of times in the sustainability conversation to do with sustainable products, a lot of it is focused on uh, how it's made, whether it was in like made in environmentally friendly ways, which is really important, as you mentioned. But I feel like less emphasis is focused on finding products that will last a really, really long time or are really durable or the company will guarantee that they'll help take care of the products afterwards. So that was really refreshing for me to hear about. Yeah, it's a, it's a very different uh, way of looking at sustainability. And I think people haven't made the connection between durability and um, and the environment, but it's absolutely crucial. Like if you look at um, the value chain and the value we get out of products, like making something last longer is the easiest and best thing we can do because it means that that product doesn't need to be made again at all. It doesn't need to be changed into something else. No energy needs to be spent on transporting it anywhere else or transforming it into anything else. So, you know, having that product last longer, um, especially if it's made in an eco-friendly way in the, to begin with, is definitely the best thing that we can do for the environment. So you started this a couple years ago? Buy me once. Yes, yes. So it was 2016 when it all went kicked off and, and went crazy viral. So. Yeah, well, it's still pretty new then. <laughs> uh, what's yeah. been your greatest challenge building Buy Me Once? Because I mean, I know it kind of went viral, but uh, what's yeah. been your biggest struggle since then? Well, I mean, I'm a writer, so you know, I'm an ideas person. I I, I come up with ideas, and suddenly I'm a shopkeeper, which is like <laughs> not the plan. So suddenly I'm, um, you know, the boss, which is a very jarring thing from being the writer monkey in the corner that had to come up with TikTok ads, <laughs> um, and that's been a, an um, amazingly. Uh, massive shift in in my mind and you know suddenly I'm managing people that's a challenge when you've never had to do that before I've had to do public speaking which I have found terrifying but I'm happy to say I've kind of embraced and and kind of have a love-hate relationship (laughs) with because I love getting the message out um but I hate the way that my stomach cramps up before I go on stage um I think that, you know, it's been a challenge to make it into a business. I I didn't know how to do that at first. And so I've had to teach myself to be an entrepreneur kind of right from scratch. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's kind of been an exciting ride. And, you know, I'm still learning. Now we're raising investment. And that's a really exciting and terrifying time. So every stage has its challenges. But, um, you know, it's always that kind of vision that what you're doing is going to make a difference or has the potential to make such a difference if you can succeed that kind of drives you forward. For sure. So like you mentioned, Buy Me Once really went viral. What do you think it was about Buy Me Once that made it really resonate with so many people? I think it's such a simple idea. It's such 
a no-brainer. The amount of people who emailed me to say, this is a (laughs) no-brainer, like thousands of people emailed me to say, yeah, like, you know, this is so obvious, like, of course, but it hadn't been done. And I think just having something that people realized was helpful and was was something that they recognized, you know, should it should exist. Um, I think the the fact that it then did exist was news. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think you know it's one thing to come up with this idea, and the amount of people who emailed me to say they've had this idea as well. Like I had this idea <laughs> back in two thousand and nine. Um, you you know, were I the one that did it. <laughs> yeah, I was the one that did it, and I think when people see that someone who's actually doing something that's always um inspiring and I think the fact that I'd gone ahead and 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 done it done something that maybe a million people had already come up with uh that was exciting for people so yeah it was great you talked a little bit about this earlier and you've worked in the advertising industry so I'm sure you know a lot about this I feel like a lot of things we already own might already actually be quite durable, but we just always feel this constant need to keep up with the latest technology, with the latest trends, so we might end up buying more just out of impulse or wants rather than needs. And there are all these marketing and advertising forces trying to convince us that we need more. And there's a quote on your website that said, companies spend $21.8 billion yearly on advertising to kids. So Hmm. we've been exposed to this type of messaging starting from when we were little, um, what do you think are the dangers of advertising if we allow them to freely influence us and if we don't understand what they are trying to do? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I worked in advertising for 10 years, so I can take you behind the curtain. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so much of it is about manipulation. And this is actually why I wrote my book, A Lifeless Throwaway, because the site is great in terms of it's a tool to help you find long lasting stuff. And that it's very important to make it easy for people to do the right thing. And so that's why that exists. But the book, um, which is called A Lifeless Throwaway, is about the why. Like, why is this important? And how can it help you and your life and what you're trying to achieve and, you know, to stop impulse buying, to stop having a cluttered house um, and to buy meaningful, long lasting things. So while I was writing the book, I realized that so much of the problem is advertising and marketing because we might have a few messages saying, you know, slow down, take your time, be mindful. And then everything else is telling us the opposite. It's Mm. all spend, spend, spend. It's all, you know, if you don't look like this, then you should be miserable with yourself and you should buy this so that you feel less miserable about yourself. You know, this is what your house should look like. This is what your clothing should look like. Um, and you have to keep up. It's this constant, relentless treadmill of trends and aspiration and you know this you know this is what you need to be happy to be accepted Mm -hmm. all of this messaging is everywhere even if we don't think we notice it our subconscious unfortunately is noticing it um these companies wouldn't spend billions on advertising if it didn't work 
it yeah. works. And, you know, our kind of conscious brain that's walking along wondering what's for dinner might not be noticing, but our like inner lizard brain is has clocked the billboard, has seen, oh, this is a high status human. I need to pay attention to this because, you know, I'm programmed to notice other high status human beings and what do they what are they wearing and what are they driving and what are they doing and how can I make sure that I'm like that so I can be successful and mm. not be kicked out of my tri- tribe and end up starving um in the forest which is essentially what your kind of animal brain is worried about so it can be quite instinctive it sounds like without us even thinking about it Absolutely. This is the problem is that it is all, uh, it's hypnotism. It's hypnotism. We're not realizing that we're being hypnotized, but, but we are. And so the only way to combat it is to consciously address it. Look the billboard in the eye and be like, no, thank you. I am fine. <laughs> the way that, I'm fine the way I am. That's the only way to address it. I was going to ask you, like, how do we not get sucked into it? So it's really just to look at these messages head on and acknowledge that they're there and to just consciously choose to not buy into it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's part of that's part of it. The other thing is to find your own style and your own like really work with yourself on finding what's meaningful to you, both in terms of how you want to live your life and how you want to dress and how you want to look and spend time thinking about what fabric do I want next to my skin? What shape do I want on my body? What colors do I want, you know, that bring my eyes alive so that you are less swayed by the trends as they come and go because you can say, no, I've looked into this, like this neckline is the one that suits me. This is the length of skirt that suits me. This is the um, fabric that I like next to my skin. So, you know, all the magazines might be telling me that I'm out of trend, but actually this is my look. And have, I and I think people having the confidence to be like, you know, no, I, 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 I call you're, you know, this is crap what these magazines are selling me. This is what I want to look like. I think that's quite a powerful antidote to, you know, trends. So it's kind of self-awareness to get to know what we want rather than what they want us to want. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, and there's lots of tips and tricks in the book. One of my favorites is that, you know, we're, we're often very heavily influenced by celebrities so if you want to know whether you actually like a product or whether you just like the product because a celebrity that you like um, is you know, wearing it or owns it or is endorsing it, then, you know, put, you know, cut out a picture of a celebrity you don't like and put it over their face <laughs> <laughs> and be Love like, that. do I still like this handbag or is this handbag suddenly looking like really creepy to me? Yeah. <laughs> Well, we'll definitely have to check out your book to get all of these uh, smart tips and tricks. And I'd love to hear, like, do you think there's a relationship between the accumulation of stuff and our perceived self-worth? Absolutely. I think if aliens were to look down on the planet, they'd be like, oh, this is just a massive game of hungry, hungry hippos, <laughs> where everyone is just trying to grab as much stuff as possible. And unfortunately, that is all down to being kind of programmed from a really early age that more stuff is better like why 
if you, if you had the money, why would you not spend it? Like, you know, and you know, the rich kids of Instagram and, and, and cribs and, and everything that kind of absolutely worships people with wealth that have stuff, they have the yachts and they have this and they have that. And, and I think we're told that these people are better than us, that they have a higher worth than us. And even though we consciously can go, oh, that's rubbish, actually, of course, these people aren't, you know, more important than I am really, it, you know, again, it's your inner, it's your inner monkey brain that's looking for survival tactics and they're seeing what is perceived to be successful humans and it wants to follow. It wants to keep up because that's the only method it knows to survive. So we're kind of hamstrung by our, uh, our evolutionary kind of need to survive, unfortunately. And marketers are kind of playing to, to all of our, you know, all of our fears that, you know, we'll be ridiculed and left behind unless we buy this deodorant or whatever it is. And so we kind of have to uh, find our self-worth elsewhere and consciously um, grow our self-worth in other ways. And that's through what we do and who we are and who we care for and our communities and our families. And every scientific study that's ever been done about human happiness are like relationships. That's it. Like number one relationships. If you've got close high quality relationships, then you're sorted. So Mm -hmm. invest in that. And, and you can't go too far wrong. So this idea that the more wealth someone has, the more stuff someone has, um, that that should be admired and worshipped, that's kind of mistaken because that actually doesn't necessarily bring us more happiness or life satisfaction. Absolutely not. I mean, just, you know, look at the state of a huge amount of people who have you know, a high amount of wealth, you know, they're no, they're definitely no happier. And that's the trouble with the hedonic treadmill, which is this unfortunate state of affairs that as soon as a human has a certain amount, they're looking for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Um, Never enough. (laughs) It will never be enough unless you are enough as you are right now. No money will ever make you happier that's just a fact of life. You know, unless, unless you're like in, in debt and really suffering from like a financial hardship, obviously if you have a bit more money and you can get out of that stressful and damaging situation, then that will lead to a bit more happiness. But above a certain pay level, there is no more happiness. Um, you know, once you're kind of comfortable and you can feed your family and not worry too much about money, then it's all about learning what meaning to bring into your life and, and what you want to bring to this world. And that's what's going to bring you life satisfaction. And a huge amount of that is about how we nurture the people around us. Mm. So when you picture a future where everybody is buying things once out of their needs rather than their wants, so just buying a lot less, where do you see opportunities for growth from a business or economical standpoint? 
Well, I think some of this is happening already. And I have um, family who are kind of economists. And, and I was like, am I going to break the economy? <laughs> <laughs> um, and they were like, no, absolutely not. The economy is constantly shifting anyway. And it's already starting to shift towards a more service economy. And I think that's the way it needs to go. So, um, you know, when it comes to growth, um, it's, it should be about having experiences. Like there are so many experiences to be had and, um, you know, there'll need to be jobs and people um, to service those experiences for us. Um, so it doesn't have to be material objects where the growth comes from. I also think that there's going to be a huge amount of opportunity for kind of fixing and upcycling and governments can really do their bit to support that. I know Sweden are already kind of reducing the tax on fixing to try and get people to to fix things rather than to throw them away. There's a, there's a lot of room for the economy to shift. Um, and, and I think it'll, it'll be a beautiful thing. Yeah. And what do you think we as individuals can do to help accelerate this shift? I think it's about taking a step back, looking um, looking at your life and taking that pressure off yourself to keep up and really think about what's important to you in terms of what you want your life to mean and where you get your purpose from. And then only buy things that are going to help you achieve that. What will happen is you'll end up with a kind of a calm beautiful decluttered home that you love a wardrobe that you open and you don't get that awful feeling where you're like oh I've got all this stuff and I'm nothing to wear mm. you you like you know you might have a smaller amount in there but you'll love every piece and so it's about almost creating a barrier between like at your front door and only allowing things in in it that are worthy of your love and that you can cherish and that will cherish you back. Mm. So being much more intentional about what we let into our lives and what we let influence us. Yes, absolutely. I think so much comes through our front doors without us even thinking about it. We're given freebies or, you know, there was a sale on, so you picked up a few bits extra. People bring gifts that are just kind of you know, crazy and you don't really want them and then you feel guilty. So they just sit like in your house forever. Um, and it's so easy for this kind of uh, tidal wave of stuff to kind of come and overwhelm you. Um, but when you kind of pair it back to the things that you get meaning out of and the things that help you live your life in a kind of easy and freeway and, and things that you can kind of depend on not letting you down. There's something, there's nothing more, more stressful than something that breaks, mm. like appliances that break after a couple of years are, are, are so awful. They cause the stress and you have to rebuy them and, um, or you don't rebuy them and they just sit there feeling, you, know, you feel guilty about them. So there's, there's so much that can be said for really um getting to the bottom of of what you want to buy and then and then investing in the long lasting thing because you save money in the long run as well i worked it out with umbrellas like if you buy a lifetime umbrella instead of like the average person buys 1.1 umbrellas a year i think you save like 600 dollars over your <laughs> lifetime and that's just an umbrella 
So you can imagine that kind of spread out across everything. If you only buy, you know, a small amount of really high quality things, like you can afford to buy higher quality things if you're only buying one of them instead of six. Definitely. You know? Yeah. So. Well, we look forward to learning from you in uh, with your book, A Life Less Throwaway, that we'll link in the show notes. And for now, what's next for you that we can look forward to and support? There's lots going on. We're um, we're finding lots more brands every day. We're really um, building up our ethical and sustainable um, fashion brands on the website, which is really cool. And we're hoping to launch a kind of certification, like a, a fair trademark for long-lasting products. So we're hoping to launch that at some stage next year. So you can look out for brands with that mark on it and know that that brand will last a bit longer. Where can we go to stay updated on this and follow you online and on social media? Go to buymeonce.com and you can subscribe there to our mailing list uh, where you'll find out all about the latest products that we've found and there's loads of tips and articles on how to you know live a um a more conscious life and uh you know zero waste lifestyle there as well you know we've got lots of zero waste uh products that are kind of alternatives to disposables if that makes sense also you can find us on twitter and instagram and pinterest and facebook of course uh, we're always just buy me once so you can search for that Before we go into our final five, I wanted to give you a quick update regarding the 2019 Green Dreamer planners that are coming to you soon because more and more people have been asking about it. And so first of all, I'm just so grateful for your support. Thank you so much. Um, they're currently being printed. And to be honest, I'm a little nervous because it's the first time I'm doing this. So I am very much learning as I go, currently finalizing the website, details, all that jazz. The exciting thing is, though, after doing a lot of research, I found a fulfillment partner here in the United States that prioritizes sustainability across their operations. So I feel good knowing that the planners will be in great hands. I also finally put up a page on our website where you can learn more about the planner and also get the first peek at all six of the cover designs that you'll be able to choose from. So if and only if you plan better having a physical planner and if it'd be helpful to you to have uh, environmental awareness days featured in it, along with goal setting guides, gratitude lists, extra bullet journal pages, you can learn more and sign up for updates at greendreamer.com planners. Super excited to see what you think though, so I will definitely keep you posted on additional updates. For now, on to our final five. Let's power through. What's one inspiring publication or social media account you follow? Elon Musk, because he, uh, while he's controversial, I love that Tesla is actually doing what it says it's going to do, which is making a race to make electric cars something that actually happens. What do you tell yourself to stay inspired and positive? Ah, <sighs> um, <laughs> um, recently it's from a self-help book called fuck it uh -huh. <laughs> um, and it, and the phrase is fuck it and it's essentially um something that you say to yourself to go right what's just gone wrong isn't the end of the world get over it and keep going 
so it's not very polite and I apologize for that um <laughs> practical but, though <laughs> but quite practical and I, I would um encourage people to try it but maybe not out loud what's one thing you do for your health either daily or weekly well this is going to sound a bit odd but I get up in the morning and I uh, create my own workouts for myself using Game of Thrones episodes <laughs> where I pretend to be Arya Stark or the mountain uh, and I jump around with weights pretending to hurt people. <laughs> Love it. So, so <laughs> unique. Uh, what's one thing you're working on right now to live more sustainably? I think what, something that I'm constantly working on is cutting down on plastic packaging and it's driving me crazy that I can't find a fruit and vegetable store in <laughs> the UK that is nearby that I can get my fruit and veg unpackaged from. So I think I'm going to be kind of petitioning to change that in my local supermarket and maybe trying to find an alternative source of veg. Uh, what makes you most hopeful for our planet right now? I'm part of the biggest group of sustainable startups in Europe, and we're all in one place in London, and we're all working towards one goal, which is to help the planet. And I know that this movement is growing. I know that more and more people are caring. If you look at what happened with Blue Planet and the David Attenborough film that had such a massive effect, I know that if we tell the right stories and get the message out there that us humans will do the right thing we just need to shout a bit louder get that torch up to the moon save the world <laughs> we can do it I, I honestly believe we can and what final words of wisdom do you have for us as green dreamers don't let the people on your televisions tell you what's important decide for yourself what's important to you and buy uh, with that in mind Decide for yourself what's most important to you. Green Dreamer, thank you so much for tuning in. You can find the two tweetable key takeaways from this interview, as well as links and resources at greendreamer.com slash 92 for episode 92. You can reach me with feedback on how I can improve the show for you through the website's contact page. And as always, you can follow me on Instagram at Kamea Shane. And finally, just remember, now more than ever, our planet needs your light to thrive. So if you haven't yet, hit subscribe and I will catch you later, Green Dreamer.